0: One of the most durable ways to think about the spiritual project is likening it to a journey. No doubt you've heard or read the phrase spiritual journey a lot of times over these last years. I'm sure I've dropped that phrase a thousand and more times myself when addressing the essential nature of our time on Earth. It can be greatly trivialized, of course, and often is in popular culture, it can get to sounding pretty woo-woo out there in the mouths of all kinds of spiritual seekers and cynics alike, from the sublime to the ridiculous, as it can seem to contain every sort of thought or practice that captures someone's attention. Just the word spiritual can seem overwrought in today's culture, as it has replaced the idea or practice of religion spiritual can seem a safer more neutral word still spiritual journey is hard to beat as a concept for understanding how we make meaning in our lives i'm comfortable claiming that at christ church we we have promoted a a journey form of spiritual development over the course of our years that is we promote the idea that our spiritual and religious understandings are not static but emergent, evolving, maturing over time that as we walk through our days, we have the opportunity to participate in becoming what was intended in the first place, the way an acorn holds the promise of a mighty oak. The concept of spiritual journey has movement and directionality. It has a start point and a destination. It's a way of framing our existence. It stakes a claim that our lives have meaning and that one element of the journey is the discovery of who we actually are and where we might actually be headed. It accounts for setbacks and failures and various sufferings by understanding them as aspects of the journey. These do not stand outside what life is about, but an intrinsic element of our life dynamic. In the passage we heard from Philippians, Paul likened his life project to a journey of sorts, like a runner in a race. He wrote, not that I have already obtained the prize or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call. There is in this a sense that our days are lived in the meantime on the path straining forward within a world rich with spiritual metaphor. Paul runs the race because of what he refers to as a heavenly call. He knows who he is, and he can strain forward with confident expectation of one day completing the journey. And the interesting thing is that he wrote this from a prison cell. But even as a prisoner, he lives in great freedom and joy because he knows who he is and where he is headed. Indeed, the epistle to the Philippians is Paul's most joy-filled letter. Since my son Luke is visiting with us this weekend, I'm reminded of a time more than 20 years ago when he joined the first Christ Church team that traveled to Ghana, West Africa where for some years we partnered with a local church in working with a Liberian refugee camp and Habitat for Humanity. He was just 19 years old, I think. At the end of our church experience, he asked if we could stay on in Africa for a few weeks to travel. He had grown enamored of the idea of finding Timbuktu. Though seriously tantalized by the suggestion, I couldn't afford the time, so instead, I helped him work out a solo adventure and then prayed hard as he said goodbye to the Christchurch team at the airport. Turned out he had quite an interesting and challenging experience. Among the details of his adventure, he spoke of his overland travel from Ghana, crossing into the Ivory Coast on his way to Mali and exotic Timbuktu, aboard a small, so called bus crammed with people. This trip occurred as the Ivory Coast was beginning to unravel in civil unrest. And Luke reported the bus encountered roadblocks every 20 minutes or so, where passengers were ordered to disembark, roughly separated and searched for contraband of various sorts. First order of business involved checking each person's papers. Luke discovered he was in possession of a bit of power in the form of an American passport. That was treated with the utmost respect and those whom he indicated were traveling with him uh, were also treated with the utmost respect at each roadblock luke and the one or two travelers he had befriended were set aside while the others were sometimes stripped and interrogated in that place at At that time, an American passport provided a certain confident protection. It gave evidence of larger associations and allegiances in a chaotic environment. I imagine it was a powerful and newly conscious reminder for him of who he was and where he was from, especially being on his own as a stranger in a strange land. Now eventually Luke did make it to Timbuktu in, in one piece with many interesting adventures to report. But I remember especially his energy when he spoke of the impact of that passport. And I became aware of something else as well, something about the willingness to take this adventure at all, something about the excitement despite the simultaneous trepidation. Pre-cellphone technology now, Luke kept in touch by intermittent landline And I discovered that the reach of Western Union was nearly as extensive as the Holy Spirit. Little, tiny, out-of-the-way places in the middle of nowhere were more than willing to serve as transfer points for American cash, more of which Luke kept requiring. But I came to realize that for all of his initial ignorance of what might befall him during his trip, his willingness to take the risk was in part due to an unconscious yet certain knowledge of who he was, where he was from, and even where he was ultimately going, that is, home. In other words, he was tethered to a secure anchorage. The tether was was as real as iron, but invisible to the naked eye. Though Melissa and I didn't speak of it in these terms at the time, our decision to support this solo adventure was in part an assessment about the security of this tether and his willingness to test its tensile strength. In this sense then, it was a solo journey, but then again, not exactly solo. Luke had access to home. He held a powerful passport. He knew who he was, where he was from, and where he was going. This conferred to him a powerful freedom. It was the freedom to live confidently in the meantime. It was a useful lesson for me to witness, even as it was for Luke to experience. Now, this small journey fit into his larger life journey, From our vantage point in here in this space i would tell you that he still knows who he is and where he's headed that is home (laughs) he's headed home like all of us and in the meantime his days are filled with the opportunity of choosing to become what was intended in the first place not unlike how an acorn can grow into a mighty oak And again, this sense of becoming, of living into God's future is the path all of us are on, whether we know it or not, despite our current circumstance. All of us headed home. Paul can live joyfully in the present moment, despite his imprisonment, because he is pressing on in his journey. He knows who he is and where he's headed. In the meantime, he lives the life he has with confidence and a spirit of freedom despite the bars on his cell. Elsewhere, he'll write, all things work together for good for those who love God. Now, he did not say all things are good. No, he said something much subtler and far more profound because first of all, he knows well that all things are not good necessarily in and of themselves, but he also knows that understanding life as a spiritual journey, he lives with the confident expectation that in God, all things cohere. During our season of Lent, we've been tracking Jesus on his journey towards Jerusalem. He's been walking there for a long while. So it's a literal journey, sort of like making his way to Timbuktu, I suppose. We know what awaits him there He likely does, too. He likely knows the whole business of his ministry is coming to a climactic moment in the season of Passover, which is itself an annual recounting of a journey from out of Egypt through the Red Sea and the wilderness beyond as the Hebrew people find their way home. What we say here is that Jesus' journey to Jerusalem is archetypal. It's a grand prototype of the journey we are all on. On the short run, we understand he's on his way to a certain death. On our most sober days, we know that's true for us as well. We understand how our life journey is bounded by our being born and having to die. I would say the more conscious and embracing we are of this fact the more capable we become of attaining spiritual maturity and the better we become at living in the meantime. But the mystery of our life does not end there for what we will discover if we go the distance with Jesus is that even death is not larger than God's purposes that for those who love God, even death itself is wrapped in God's grace and love and works its way into life with God. True enough, our words begin to trail off at this point because the journey moves beyond the range of our physical vision, but, but not beyond the range of our faith that is founded in the fact of our lives and the fact of our robust experience of traveling the path to our true home as we grow into what has been intended all along. I don't know of anything else that captures the length and height and depth and breadth of our existence so completely. That's the journey I'm on for certain. And one last thing. It is so very, very excellent to share the path home with others. That's the essence of our fellowship why we join together friends sisters brothers and all siblings for the journey all of us together on the way home